feel like Gordon Bombay would have taken his career to even further heights. Everything's flashy, everything's cocaine, everything's fun. Open wide for some soccer. I don't care what you think about, what your personal thoughts are at home. I care that you hate the Cowboys. Call this college rule! Welcome back, everybody, to the Sports Experience Podcast. Dom and Chris here. And uh, before we begin, just uh, letting you know, we're a couple comics who enjoy talking sports and doing stand-up comedy. Uh, and we're down here at Engel Studio in Tucson, Arizona, for all your audio needs uh, making this episode. And uh, also, make sure you follow us on all our socials. Go listen to our episodes on YouTube, Spotify, all of those platforms. And please give us likes, subscribes, and follows. I know our last episode was suggested by a friend of ours. Uh, so if you have any suggestions as far as content you want to see us come out with, give us a heads up. That's right. That's right. So who we got, Chris? Talking about a coach today, or at least he's famous for being a coach. We're talking about Mike Shanahan. Not a seafood restaurant? Not. <laughs> Mike Shanahan, everybody. Michael Edward Shanahan, uh, NFL great coach. Probably to discuss uh, some things about his career at the end of this episode, mm-hmm. where he should be. Uh, born August 24th, 1952 in Oak Park, Illinois. Um, like much of our athletes, was a fantastic athlete at multiple sports at yep. Leighton High School in Franklin Park. Just outside of Chicago, was a wishbone quarterback in high school and actually set the single-game rushing record for 260 yards in a game in 1969. You can go, Mike Shanahan. You run that wishbone, sir. Goes to Eastern Illinois, where he plays quarterback there. And then he stops really playing sports. So th- <laughs> I thought this was really interesting. Yeah. Um, he gets hit and ruptures a kidney. So he gets absolutely annihilated ruptures a kidney and then his heart stops for 30 seconds and it was so serious that they called a priest onto the field to give him his last rites he's a devout catholic they were sure he's gonna die turns out he was jewish they were got they got it all mixed up why don't you just do a voodoo dance marge so just to put it in perspective he gets hit so Imagine you're his mom in the in the stand. Oh God! And they, he gets hit, and then they call Father O'Malley to come <laughs> over because that's in nomine patria. That's, that's the seriousness <laughs> of this. Is what's so crazy? They're giving the Boondock like, Saints prayer. Mom, yeah, the mom's just like, "What's going on? What? Why is Father O'Malley coming over?" So I read about this in Sports Illustrated. Right, mind you, he's only like five ten, one hundred eighty pounds. He's yep. popped in the kidney. Is bleeding. He finished. The scrimmage. I saw. They take him to the locker room. He goes to his apartment, vomits a ton, and then they only send him to the hospital after that. Not, man, you got popped in the kidney. Perhaps we should do a CT scan. Not for Mike Shanahan. I'll tell you this. Father O'Malley told him that he needed to finish that scrimmage. God told him. God told him. That's right. He did. So... Uh, so no more. So he said his dad was walking into the hospital as the priest was walking out. Yep. Didn't want to add that. The, but speaks to his toughness. He spends five days in the ICU. He was supposed to avoid strenuous activities, and then a few days later he was lifting weights. Then he was playing handball, and two weeks later he was whitewater river rafting. Yep. According to Mike Heimerdinger, his roommate and friend and future assistant. Yeah. So he he was just a a classic. Bro, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like just down, just down. Shanny, Shanny was down, man. Yep, yeah, he was. But goes immediately into coaching, which I think was is why he was so effective later in his career. Well, I mean, he's one of the most brilliant coaches of his particular era in yep. the NFL, and 
I would argue, one of its greatest innovators, which I'll go into further in this episode. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah. Uh, 1975, he's an offensive assistant at the University of Oklahoma under Barry Switzer. Uh, they're running the wishbone offense there. Yep. Um, his offensive coordinator, Galen Hall, um, they go 11-1, and win the Big 8 title, and win the Orange Bowl against Michigan to capture the national championship. So he's already a champion in his first year of coaching, which is pretty cool. Um, coaches at NAU for a couple of years? Yeah, running Northern backs? Arizona. Yeah, he was the running back coach, which I, I think that's the only time I've seen him that. Normally it's um, offensive coordinator, but quarterback coach. Quarterback yes. coach for, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the following year, he's an offensive coordinator at age 25. I know, that's what's crazy. At his alma mater, Eastern Illinois, um, in 1977, they went 1 and 10. And then in 78, then he joins, they go 12-2 and two and win the D2 national title game against Delaware, 10-9. to nine, which So he's really cementing himself as a great assistant. He's, he's one of those hot shots. Yep. He's one of those young. One of these new. New guys. Hot shots. He kind of, uh, he kind of has uh, something like that when he goes to Washington. He's got sideburns. Sideburns lady. All the Ooh. mutants at table nine. <laughs> 1979. Oh. He uh, goes on to be the offensive coordinator at uh, Minnesota. Yep. Um, and then from 80 to 83, he goes, he goes to, to Florida, Florida and yep. becomes full Florida man, turning that program around. And well, this is where you see why he jumps into the, into the NFL after Florida, because it's a huge program, and he is one of the you know, offensive reasons that they start to succeed. Yeah. Uh, 1980, they go 8-4 and four after going 0-10-1. The Which is so <laughs> wild. It's, a, it's like the Waterboys team is what it is. Um, they were the first time a team went winless to make a bowl in college football history. Mm-hmm. 81, they go to the Peach Bowl. And then in 1982 and 83, 1983, they do awesome. They finish sixth overall and win the Gator Bowl. So he's, what is he right now, uh, 31 years old? Yep. One uh, of the hottest coaching names in has college a, football. I was just going to say, has a national championship Two has to, two one division two, but that still counts. Still, still um, only in his but and is also almost like proven that he can turn a program around, which is such a it's such a thing that people look at where they're just like, well, we want to bring this young guy in, but he really doesn't have the the experience or the whatever, you know what I mean? And he was just like, oh no, no, no. I have more experience than all of these other people already at thirty or whatever. <laughs> he does not live in a van down by the river. He scribbles plays in a studio apartment. Uh, so in '84, he's hired by the Denver Broncos as the wide receivers coach, and many think like, oh, the Denver Broncos, but not Mike Shanahan, not uh, Hank Scorpio either. Coaching uh, under Dan Reeves. Coaching under Dan Reeves. And uh, we did an episode on some of these receivers that he's That's developing right. there. That's right. We got a little orange crush on them ourselves. So. Yes, we do. We got the uh, three amigos. Well, the beginning of the three amigos. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so they get uh, Vance Johnson and Mark Jackson are coming along here. Um, and he gets to work with John Elway, one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL at this point. And they have a very tight relationship because they're only about seven years apart. Yeah, so that's much, much closer in age than John Elway and Dan Reeves, as we'll discuss probably later, later in this episode. Uh, because, yeah, he, he said that they were, he looked at them as obviously like his elder, but they were so close in age, they, they had that understanding with each other. Oh, definitely. And Shanahan's a former quarterback. Yep. 
So uh, from 85 to 87, because after only one year as receivers coach, he's the offensive coordinator. Yes. Um, they finished eighth, then sixth, then fourth in points per game. Elway's the MVP in 87. Um, they win two AFC championships in a row in 86 and 87. Unfortunately, they're just annihilated. Go listen to the Elway episode. They're just absolutely ass-blasted in these Super Bowls, which mm. is not necessarily their fault. The that rest of the just... team around Elway just isn't very good Yes, in comparison. But after only, what, five years? in the Four years in the NFL? Mm-hmm. He's already a head coaching candidate. Yep. At 36? That's for that time that's pretty impressive. Yes, that for that time it's almost unheard of. That's yeah. the thing that you look at but the man that now, does this nowadays is, you see guys without fur on their pages getting NFL jobs. Not that's at this right. time. Not at this time. Uh but that's you see the guy that does this is somebody that takes chances. So He takes chances but he takes chances and is also a dick. Yep. But also you need to recognize that he's a dick and maybe not be the guy he takes a chance on. That's all I'm saying. That's, that's not bad. So it's it's, it's a two way street with this one. Uh, he becomes the Raiders uh, head coach in '88. Mm-hmm. Um, brings in his own staff, but there's already a staff that's there. Didn't want to add for Spiderweb. You know who his first first round pick was? No, Timmy Brown. Oh, that's awesome. 1988. Oh buddy. my god, that's oh. so good. Ah, oh, I love it. Oh, um, very nice. I I just thought it was interesting because Al Davis is or this was the first time that Al Davis I love this. hired a head coach outside of the Raiders organization. So you had to already have been in their organization, and then you almost would get promoted up. And he hired them from one of their biggest rivals. Yep. One of their biggest in-division, lasting as long as the AFL days, rivals. <laughs> and... They're like oil and water. I mean, like oil and vinegar. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like it's like it Hugh really... Honey and it's not Hugh Honey and Vic Vinegar. No, Chris. it's not like that. <laughs> Are you gonna call these plays? Are you gonna call these plays? I think I think we just got it. I think we, I think just, we sold just got it. House. I think we just sold that house. But that's the thing that's it's like dysfunctional right off of the bat. Their coaches, there's offensive coaches that are loyalists like to Mike Shanahan there and then they're ones that are in Al Davis's camp and they are just constantly fighting yes. they're constantly firing each other's co- like <laughs> yeah. staff members like it is literal a dysfunctional relationship like it's so bad so in 88 they end up starting 6 and 5 but losing four of their last four, five, they yep. missed the play. It's the first time the Raiders since 67 had not made the playoffs in three straight years. So he's already on the hot seat because Davis is mad. Yep. Just at all of the friction that's being created. In 89, they start one and three. Shanahan, one of his assistant uh, uh, wide receiver coach, Nick Nicolau, said to offensive line coach Art Shell, You're only, you only have your job because of Al Davis. So he goes, tells Al Davis. And then Al Davis says, huh. I enjoy your pettiness. I raise you more pettiness. Who fires him? He well, Shanahan reha- or tells uh, ends up firing two of the assistants that are loyal to Sh- or Davis fires them that are loyal to uh, Shanahan, and then Shanahan fires two assistants, including Willie Brown, who are loyal to Davis, and Davis hires Brown back in a different position. Yep. This reminds me of that Seinfeld with Plainhow at just what a dysfunctional uh, yeah. shit show. Like nobody's faking being handicapped, but it's like they're gonna have to smoke me out of here. 
Seriously, though, it's it's horrible. I think Al Davis is putting something in my food. <laughs> we have a ton of giant rubber balls down at play now. Hello! Not going to look up if you say that voice. Ketchup and mustard, Chris, in the same bottle. Oh, Darren's going to be going away for a long time. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, the, Shanahan is axed. Like, they've had enough. Yeah, yeah. And apparently there was a stipulation, as Shanahan has claimed that Al Davis owes him $250,000. Davis said, I'm firing you, but when I fire you, you had better not go back to Denver. Oh, yeah. Guess where Mike Shanahan goes immediately after being fired in Los Angeles? San Francisco. <laughs> he goes back to goddamn Denver. I love it. I love the pettiness. Well, it's because he goes and becomes the quarterback coach, right? Right? Or does he? Yeah, he's he's quarterback. He's quarterback coach. coach. Yeah. Um, and this is where we get the dysfunction in Denver. A lot of dysfunction. Now it's now it's infighting in the team that he actually likes, which is sad. Well, it it's had to have been weird because I bet when he left, it was. I bet Elway was sad. I bet Reeves was happy. Yes. But I bet it was Sunshine. When he came back, it was the Reeves and Elway fighting. Yeah, he comes back to that after two seasons of being the quarterback's coach and them making another Super Bowl yep. with him there, obviously losing again. Uh, 91, uh, he's the offensive coordinator. And they go to the AFC title game, but as we discussed in our Elway episode, the amount of friction – it's, it's like a love triangle where two sides of the triangle actually like each other and the other one is feeling neglected and angry. Yes. And also it's, it's like they're not they're – not, this is what Reeves was complaint was, was he wasn't being told the full story kind of thing. Yeah. And, and, you know. Sometimes you just have to let your Hall of Fame quarterback and the guy that he actually trusts just do their thing. Do their thing, not yeah. Maybe medal and piss maybe them both off. Maybe it's not about you, you know. <laughs> it's not your fault, Dan. It's not your fault. So uh, in 92, though, he had issues, though, because they fired Reeves after uh, 92. Mm -hmm. But he didn't want to seem like he's keep waiting around to take his job. So in 92, he makes actually a brilliant career choice and goes to San Francisco. Oh, yeah, yeah. And becomes their offensive coordinator. And when you have Steve Young and Jerry Rice, where Steve Young wins the MVP two of those years, Jerry Rice's Offensive Player of the Year in 93. They're first in points per game his every single every, season. Yeah. He's there, three straight seasons. His quarterback's coach, former backup in Denver, Gary Kubiak, is also there. And, yeah, he's incorporating a lot of new zone blocking, a lot of offense surrounding Steve Young's legs and moving the pocket and a lot of play action. And it's working very well in devastating the shit out of the NFL. Mm -hmm. Like, those cow I mean, if those Cowboys teams didn't exist, they would have won like four in a row. Yes. Like, it, let's be honest. Yes. Because it was almost like new schemes that were just exploiting defenses so much that they almost couldn't figure out how to stop it. It's like, let's take this West Coast offense to another level. Yes. And also have amazing talent already All here surrounding yeah. it yeah yes. so by 94 they win super bowl 29 young had six touchdown passes in that game and he said pre-game they were going over the game plan and he said expressed just how confident shanahan was yes where they were going that's a touchdown that'll that's be a, a touchdown yeah. that'll be a touchdown and uh so now he's the hottest 
head coaching candidate again. Say, yes. Seven years. It, it, it is obvious that the Raiders have bullshit happening. Um, he is obviously the best offensive coordinator or however you want to. So whoever's looking for a head coach, he has to be on the top of their list. Exactly. Like, that's the guy you want. I'm always surprised San Francisco didn't try and be like, oh, yeah. no, you're coaching waiting behind George Seifert. Like, yeah, yeah. We'll fire him now if you would like, you know. <laughs> but 95, he goes back to where he's most familiar, Chris. Yeah, he goes back to Denver, and it's probably the best move. Just like you were saying, oh, the, yeah. the San Francisco in between, you know, because it didn't look like he was waiting for Reeves, you know, like sitting in the back. and yeah. Funny story in – before their 94 opener, they were throwing uh, – Al Davis walked across the field. Oh, I love this. They were doing uh, pass patterns with the quarterbacks, and it was either Steve Young or Elvis Gerback. He said, see that guy in the sweatsuit over there? We should fire a ball as hard as he can at him. And he did. And he did. Davis got out of the way just in time and then flipped him off and walked away. Yep. I love it. I love it. I love that ra- – I went to a Bronco game. It was in one of these seasons. They started like 7-0 and when they lost the Raiders. Three weeks later, we went to a game, my dad and I, and they were chanting Raiders suck, Raiders suck. They weren't. They were playing Carolina. But they didn't care. They did not care. You just had to know that the Raiders suck. Yeah, you just everyone had to know. Aren't you guys playing the Panthers? Don't worry about Don't it. Worry about Don't it. worry, worry about, about who we're playing. <laughs> so the, the cupboard isn't necessarily bare with Wade Phillips. They were just super underachieving. Mm-hmm. If you want to listen to the, Wade Phillip, or the uh, John Elway episode, uh, that year they also draft Terrell Davis, which – Really sets them in the right direction. So, and this is something that Mike Shanahan actually does throughout his career. Is he yes, gets, he does. He gets these late round running backs, and he just makes them into. You know what he does the better? Best running backs in the in the league with that position. But I'm just saying in general, as far as offenses, he knows what talent he wants mm-hmm. and how to fit it in. Their offensive linemen, not gargantuan dudes, but light on their feet and can move and can zone block and open up these holes. Like, yeah, the pieces fit. You, like, you want to know why running backs are paid dick now? Mike Shanahan found a market inefficiency. Yes. Oh, this guy will be great in our zone scheme, and nobody wants him. Yes, literally, it's it, it, it's kind of crazy to think, but he really killed the, everything that the running back was coming up because, like, before it's not his fault. He no, was just no. like, I know what value is, and if each team is sending two backs a year to the NFL. Some of them have to fit what we're doing, and yes. some of them are going to be overlooked. So he's picking them up in, like, the sixth round. It's crazy. Six sometimes free agents yep. and later. So by 96, 13-3, and three, they're the best team in football. But Shinny starts resting guys towards the end of the season. Mm-hmm. They lose their last two or three. Mm-hmm. And they lose the divisional round to Jacksonville in one of the biggest postseason upsets in NFL history. Mm-hmm. But he's still your ex as an own genius, and... The same team comes back the next two years. Yes. And in both years, 97, they're first in points a game. I mean, they pick up, they basically add more to their roster with Neil Smith on defense. And then they just start ruining people in the play. They just start ruining people for two straight seasons. I was just going to say, there's a streak where their record is so insane over winning these, you know, back to back Super Bowls. It's. Absolutely crazy, and also it's crazy to think that Terrell Davis is the number one guy, and they picked him up literally for nothing. The sixth round. Yeah. They didn't have a lot of draft picks that year because they had exercised free agency so hard in the previous two seasons. It's crazy. 
So they beat Jacksonville, Kansas City, and the Steelers on the way to Super Bowl 32, where they beat the Packers 31-24. to only, Elway only had 22 pass attempts in the game. Oh, yeah, that's pretty wild. And he was given Davis. He, Davis had 30 rushes, and he had migraines. And on one of the, the Elway bootleg, he's like, don't worry. They're not going to believe he's going to do it if you're not in there. <laughs> so good. So they won their first Super Bowl, which had to feel good for him. Like yes. vindication, just like, I probably should have had this job 10 years ago. Yes. Like, but that's okay. Uh, the next year, the team's even, they started 13-0 and this year. Uh, second in points a game. Beat the Dolphins in the divisional round by 35. And then beat the Jets. You can listen to that Vinny episode. Vinny tests. Uh, and then beat Atlanta 34-19. Super Bowl 33. Four. 157 total yards in that game by their offense. So they're, and this is, he just changed the landscape of offense. You know, like, oh, every, yeah. Everybody had to, and defense, because everybody now had to plan for all of this, like you were saying, all of the zone, all of the passing that opens up the running, and then the running that opens up the passing. Everything is based off of, okay, we're zone running it this way. Oh, wait, no, we're not. Always going to oh. bootleg out the other side. Yep. And throw the ball down the field and get burned. Get and burned. So I did want to bring this up. In these playoff games, they win seven in a row, right? Mm-hmm. This is a list of coaches that he beat in this two-year run. Tom Coughlin, two Super Bowls. Marty Schottenheimer, one of the best coaches to never make a Super Bowl. Bill Cowher, one Super Bowl. Mike Holmgren, one Super Bowl. Then in 98, Jimmy Johnson, Bill Parcells, and our old buddy Dan Reeves. That's so wild. I love that he beat Dan Reeves too. That's um, oh my god! So that's, it, that is yeah, that's a Hall of Fame list of coaches that he just goes through. And you're thinking you're a first ballot to Canton, and then 1999 happens. Why is 1999 important? Because John Elway is not in Denver anymore, <laughs> and they ex- ex- excluding some nationwide is on your side seasons. They've been disastrous at quarterback. I was just going to say, they've really fallen off, and it does look bad on him if the, if the only thing that makes his offense really run is a generational quarterback. Do you know what I mean? True, but the offense is run. It's just, what were you even thinking putting some of those guys out there? Yeah, that's... 99, they, you know... You got Brian Greasy and Bubby Brister playing, but you go six and ten. Granted, this was the season Terrell Davis's career ended, mm-hmm. essentially, for from horrific injuries. Uh, but do you think that he was trying to do the same thing he did, kind of with running backs with quarterbacks, where he was it was overvalued, and then he kind of made the realization it really wasn't? Maybe. Yeah. May, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to. It's hard, it's to, hard, to, hard know. to say because yeah. sometimes you're just. You're dealt a certain hand. That's you know? true too. Yes, it's yeah. not like they're crappy in these years. They're kind of no. mediocre, which is Almost probably worse. the worst thing yep. to be in the NFL. 2000 to 2002 with Brian Greasy and Gus Farratt, uh playing quarterback. Greasy does make a Pro Bowl in here. Um, they only make the playoffs once, but guys like Alandis Gary, Mike Anderson, are running for over a thousand yards apiece. And then they get Clinton Portis, who is really good and yep. had a really long – I think they drafted him in the second round, but he should have gone in, like, the top 15. Yes. Um, their only postseason trip, though, they lost, 20, they lost 21-3 to to Baltimore that year with the ridiculous defense. So in these three seasons, he's only 28-20, and 20 and he's a 500 coach. 2003, they bring in, in uh, Jake Plummer, which is great. Yep. And in this era, too, they trade Portis – 
for Champ Bailey, which is fantastic. But at this point, Shanahan's like in control of all the front office decisions. Outside of that Bailey trade, it was bad. It was bad. This is what my dad always points to is just like this is when it fell off a cliff mm-hmm. for this era in that franchise's history. Because it, they really did not have a, a great team on multiple like, – like multiple positions were just like really horrible. And like you said, it was all of Mike's – through all of his approval. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. Like he was literally excluding in that Bailey trade. It was bad. Yes. Uh, so o three and o four, they go to the playoffs and play Indy both seasons as a wild card. They lose ninety to thirty four. Those are the games I think we were talking about. Marvin Harrison's only good playoff game. Oh yeah. So like <laughs> so weird. Two thousand five, they have a stacked team. I mean, they probably could have won more than thirteen games mm-hmm. this year. Um, they were undefeated at home. They had the largest point differential in their franchise history outside of their two Super Bowl teams up to this point. They ran through the play. They stopped the Patriots' death star. I was just going to say, that was the time that Champ Bailey was a hero of that game. Yep, that was the time that they beat the New England team. And they're doing it with Jake Plummer. You're thinking, oh, this is going to be so great. Indianapolis just lost. And then my dreams came true. Yeah. <laughs> they, they dropped Pittsburgh, and they – it's not that – and this is when he started really getting hot-seated – it's not that they lost, it's that they got outplayed, outcoached, and just embarrassed in this game. I was going to say, it looked like there was no way for the Broncos ever to win that game. Do you know what I mean? And where Plummer threw two picks, yeah. and I think that was the game where they realized we just played a really hard defense, the likes of which we'll probably see more times in the postseason, mm-hmm. and this type of quarterback play is not going to get it done. Yep. So I don't know if you had read that article about when they went into the 2006 draft, but they were going to draft a quarterback. Oh, yeah. They had finagled their way up from the bottom of the first round to near the top. Shanahan wanted Matt Leinart, and others in the front office and coaching staff lobbied for Jay Cutler. Yep. Leinart got taken right beforehand, and they draft Jay Cutler, which really screwed him because now all the pressure's on Plummer. Mm Mm-hmm. And the team plays around. The team really played for him, though. That was the thing: is he had the locker room. They started seven and two, and then dropped five of their last seven games. After I think they were seven and four, and they bench Plummer, so which is missed the playoffs. Yeah, but it's pretty wild to think when teams kind of streak like this, where in the beginning of this season you're like, we're back on it, we're going. Plummer's going to be our guy, and then literally it's like week whatever 11 12 and you're like all right so we're benching plumber cutler's our guy it looks like shanahan's probably going to be moving on it's such a it's such a switch that happens so quick in the nfl season i can't believe i can't believe he did it i don't know if he was pressured by people in the front but i mean like if you have autonomy i don't know why you'd want to yeah you're seven and two it's not like you you need a boost yeah right weird 2007 the defense was awful this year uh they go seven and nine but you have the likes of Cutler and Brandon Marshall and Tony Scheffler on your team, so your offense looks pretty good. Yeah. And then we roll into 2008, and they start 8-5. and five. Mm-hmm. Cutler's a pro bowler. And then they lost their last three games, and for whatever reason, Mike Shanahan got fired. Uh, this is the one that people felt like it was a – not like an overreaction, but it was like they were literally building to this thing that then – 
whoever in the Broncos organization was just like, all right, we're done with this. It, it's what it's it was. Weird, yeah. The two, the first two games of the last three, they lost to Carolina, who was really good, I remember. And Carolina ran the shit over them with uh, Stewart and Williams. Then I think they lost to Buffalo. And Buffalo was horrible. Buffalo was crap. They were crappy. <laughs> and then their last game was that Sunday nighter in San Diego against fucking Philip Rivers. He was oh, talking yeah. all that. That was a really embarrassing. So they fire him and hire teen- franchise murderer Josh McDaniels. Mm-hmm. They brought his specific brand of football super aids to Denver and it it was only the nationwide guy who pulled them out of that mess. Yeah. Seriously. So but Mike is Mike is still in demand. Yes. Cuz I think he's only 57 mm-hmm. at this point. He's got some years left in him. Gathering a lot of buzz in the 2009 season um, as a head coach. And in 2010, of January 2010, the Washington Redskins go fuck yourself, hire him <laughs> as their head coach. Five years, $35 million, and he has a deal that is a lot like <clears throat> Bill Belichick's deal where he's also assistant GM, I think. No, so he is the, well, he, he, he's like a co-GM. Co-GM, that's, that's, yeah. Um, so he is, he, it, I think he has final say on all football matters is what the thing is. I did want to bring this up, though. For him, which this is, I get, it's $35 million. I'll never see that amount of money in my mm-hmm. entire lifetime. But your first head coaching stint in the NFL was for a meddlesome dick owner. Granted, Al Davis knew football for a very long period of his, his life. Mm-hmm. You're going to work for the business Wall Street version of that. Yes. In Daniel Snyder, who just sold the team, oddly enough. But yes, is it... I don't know. It seems like you'd be handcuffed. Mm-hmm. Handcuffed. But this is what it is. Yeah. Uh, inherits a crappy team. It really is a bad team. Um. <laughs> 11 and 21, their first two years. The Albert Hainsworth situation where he was making him do conditioning tests he couldn't pass. It's wild. It, it's, yeah. But then we get to 2012 where in that draft they trade up and take Robert Griffin III. Yep. I had read Shanahan did everything humanly possible to get to number one and draft Andrew Luck. And if you think about that, if Washington drafts Andrew Luck in 2012. He's and he plays for Mike Shanahan. He's probably still playing in the NFL right now, and Mike Shanahan is probably still his head it's coach. Still at least coaching. Yeah, yeah. It, it's <laughs> like both of those franchises ruined these poor bastards. Yeah. Uh, so they get RG three, the third, the third, uh, <laughs> and he's tailoring his offense to his rollouts, which is the short passing. Such such a great. Like, not only identifier of talent, but just tailoring his offense to what he That's, has. Yes. Like, there's a specific base in mind, but it's like, we can work with this. Yes, yes, he definitely plays the cards he's dealt. Um, they're still not the best, you know what I mean? They're still, I mean, obviously RG3 is a, a rookie, but it the thing that gets kind of crazy is, or not crazy, but like, just like how much they gave up for him. So like they mortgage their entire future for I him. I was just gonna say so like the next five years it they just literally can't get anybody and they spend it on a quarterback with a litany of his injuries of in college yes so it's not gonna get better no it's not but if you're Shanahan you need that quarterback because you 
10 games under 500 to start in your third year. Um, they do win their last seven of the season to win the NFC East for the first time Ever. in the 2000s. Oh, in the 2000s? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Last time oh, it was 1999. Yeah, yeah. Um, Alfred Morris, a sixth-round pick, has over 1,000 yards in their offense. <laughs> I love how he literally does this. That he does it everywhere. I saw you at the bus stop the other day. You know how to stick your foot in the ground and get upfield. That's right. You want to play for you us? You want to play for us? No, no, no. League minimum. <laughs> Sir, I don't think I can provide clean urine. I got you. I got you. There might be blood in it for my kidney, but I got you. Got you. I got you. So they make the play. They lose in the wild card game to Seattle. And in this game, RG3's knee explodes. Yep. He, uh, he tears his LCL, hurts his already torn ACL. Shanahan's taking shit from he, ev- absolutely everyone for playing him. Yeah, he definitely, this is where. He took a lot of shit for leaving him in the game and then bringing him back from injury too soon. Yeah. So he, but he's the man responsible for Kurt Cousins collecting paychecks for the last twelve years. Yep. Good lord. Uh, I did want to bring up in Washington though. He had an incredible assistant staff, particularly of offensive coaches who are all over the NFL. Right I was just going to say his coaching tree is kind of insane his son um actually is the offensive coordinator at this time uh kyle shanahan who is the 49ers coach right now i think yeah head coach um uh sean mcveigh who is the raiders or not uh the rams head coach right now um and in denver he had mike mcdaniel Mm -hmm. and also anthony lynn as a player and an assistant granted he's not the Chargers. mike mcduck come on matt 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 lafleur was on this staff yeah the packers coach it's crazy and yet Dan Snyder would not say, no, we're doing the right thing here, boys. Yeah. We're doing it. Washington Redskins, go fuck yourself. Oh, shit. So 2013 was an absolute disaster. Griffin's not the same. Shanahan ends up benching him yeah. for Kirk Cousins for this Cousins. year. And December 30th, 2013, Happy New Year, Mike. You're fired. Finished last in the NFC East three of his last four years. Uh, kind of a... Weird way that his career went with where you look at the last four or five years in Denver and you look at the five years at the Redskins. I don't think that's an accurate reflection of him as a coach. No. But then you can't really take that three-year period where the Broncos were unbelievable and just look at that either. No, 100%. But, like, it's how you would say, like, oh, yeah, Bill Belichick is totally all of the years he's with Tom Brady. Yep. Remember the Browns, everybody? Yes. Or you guys remember Mac Jones and Drew Bledsoe? Mac Jones. Mac but Jones. I, I would, I'll have to say this: what I feel like Mike Shanahan gives is the influence on so many offenses. Like it, it's crazy. He's an innovator. Yes. People like Bill Walsh had nothing but amazing things to say about yes. Mike Shanahan and what he's meant to the game. There's stuff in the NFL now that he came up with or helped develop yes. like his meaningfulness to the game is professional football and football in general is ridiculous um finished with a career record of 170 and 138 um it's just weird you have the lowest of lows in uh los angeles and washington and then just peak peak yeah, yeah just san francisco and denver san francisco and denver um like i told you uh two super bowls um 
the coaches that he beat were fantastic. That's yeah, I love in that. the biggest of all games in that in the playoffs in that playoff run. That's so good. And it's very strange to me why he's not in the Professional Football Hall of Fame. Yep. And it took Jimmy Johnson to. Those are probably the two best coaches of the '90s. It took Jimmy Johnson up until like two or three years ago to get in, which is like really. Well, this is what I mean: is is people look at these years and they and they try and be detractors of them, but you just look at the influence he has on offenses, and it's absolutely insane. I have a perfect argument. Give me one good head coach that is under an Al Davis near the end or Daniel Snyder regime. Yeah. It's crazy. Give me one. Come on. Name one. Yeah. John Gruden left, and he sent some emails. It doesn't count. Mm, Johnny Grudes. But it's, yeah, it's crazy. Mike Shannon, if it's not Jimmy Johnson, he's the head coach of the 90s. Yeah, for sure. Easily. Yes. Easily. Yes. So, yeah, one of the NFL's best should be in the Hall of Fame.